Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. We just give you praise and glory for your presence here today, Lord. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity, Lord, to, to gather online, Lord, and to worship you, to acknowledge you as God. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for your bountiful provision in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for health in our bodies, peace in our minds, Lord. We thank you so much, Lord, for all you have done for us, Lord. And more than anything else, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the price that you paid for us, Lord. And Lord, I just pray for every person watching today, Lord, that you would minister your grace to them, even if it is through a, a phone or a computer screen or a TV screen, Lord, that you would minister your grace, Lord, and that this message would speak to them in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, the title of the message today is Victorious. And I want to start by reading Isaiah chapter 21 and verse 11. And um, I really believe this is going to be a word in season for many of you today that are watching. And it says, Isaiah 21 and verse 11. The burden against Duma. He calls to me out of Seir, Watchman, what of the night? Watchman, what of the night? The NIV says, A prophecy against Duma. Someone calls to me from Seir. Watchman, what is left of the night? Watchman, what is left of the night? And lastly, in the New Living, This message came to me concerning Edom. Someone from Edom keeps calling to me. Watchman, how much longer until morning? When will this night be over? Thank you, Jesus. When will this night be over? Have you ever felt like that? Uh, when will all this be over? When will this situation finally change? When will my breakthrough come? When will this storm or this trial cease? When will this heartache stop? As pastors, John and myself, you know, often encounter people who are really suffering. You know, whether it's loneliness, betrayal, divorce, death, addiction, depression, anxiety, the list goes on. You know, the, in the, the Bible, uh, Duma means to be dumb, death, or silence. Psalm 94, 17, unless the Lord had given me help, I would soon have dwelt in the silence of death. And um, again, Psalm 115 and verse 17, it is not the dead who praise the Lord, those who go down to the place of death. And in both those instances, that is the word Duma. And maybe you feel like you've come to Duma. Uh, if we could get rid of the echo, it would be great. Thank you. Because Duma is literally the end of the line. A place where you're slowly dying on the inside. A place where God seems to be silent. Uh, a place where your prayers are going unanswered. You pray and you cry out to God and yet nothing changes. All you hear is silence. You see, Duma is the place where dreams are buried and hopes go unrealized. Duma is the place where you realize it's over. And so we have this dark midnight hour, this never-ending night of the soul, where the person suffering finally cries out in exasperation or frustration or desperation, Oh, watchman, what of the night? Or what hour of the night is? Or how much longer is left in this night before the dawn finally comes? Because 
I've tried to be patient. I've tried to hang on, but you know what? I'm weary. My song has been silenced and my strength has been exhausted. What of the night? Will my life ever be better? Will my situation ever change? Will my heart ever heal? When will I finally find love? Uh, Can we ever find a home for our family? Will a job forever elude me? Uh, How can I escape this porn or alcohol or drug habit? Will my heart ever heal? How can I get over this grief or this bitterness or this anger or, you know, how, how can I ever get beyond what happened to me in the past when I was abused? How can I finally overcome my past failures and move on from this place? You see, a lot of people end up in Duma and it's, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're anchored there, they're stuck there. What do you do when the storm seems to be never ending and all seems lost? You know, when your back is up against the wall and there seems to be no way out of the situation you find yourself in, you may have failed or others may have failed you. Disappointment, you know, betrayal, impossibility, these are all enemies that we will have to face at some time in our lives. Some of us, unfortunately, may have to face it frequently. But the question is, what do you do when you have done all that you can do? Where can you go when you have literally tried every angle and exhausted every avenue? You come to Christ. Matthew 11 and verse 28, Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you and learn of me, for I'm humble and gentle in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus said, come, come. And and this is the thing, we come as we are, not as we would like to be. And I think that's important to understand. You know, it's not a matter of you trying to get yourself in in a good enough condition whereby you can come to Christ. No, you come to Him with your brokenness and your pain and your dysfunction and your failure and your struggles. You come to Christ. Amen? And this is why, again, come to me, all you who are weary. You see, you are a blood-bought child of God. And you must know this. You know what? You might look like a failure, but you are a, you are a victor and not a victim. Amen? Because in Him, you are victorious. Jeremiah 29, 11. Thank you, Jesus. Guys, it's very distracting. If you can just focus, thank you, it'd be great. Okay? We're here to preach the Word of God. This is the Word of God, and let's give it the attention it deserves. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good and not for evil, to give you a hope and a future. God has a plan. But we must cooperate with it if we want to walk in victory. You see, God had included you in his plans long before you were even born. You see, heaven has only one thing for you, and that is victory. Like the prophet, you may have to stand through the long, cold, dark night, but joy is coming your way. I don't know who I'm speaking to today, but I believe this message will help you if you will engage, if you will listen. We must hear 
what God has to say in this season. And if you don't, don't complain that things are not changing in your life. Okay, we are called to victory. I know the plans I have for you. Joy is coming your way. Jeremiah 13 verse 5. For his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. You see, you may have experienced defeat, but your season is about to change because victory is yours. How many of you are ready for a change of season in your life? I know I am. Daniel chapter 2 and verse 20. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. This is the God we serve. He changes the times and the seasons. He raises up kings and and he brings down kings. He removes kings. Amen. And this is what we must uh, remind ourselves of because it's a sobering reminder. You know that God is the one, hallelujah, who gives us breath. God is the one who is in control. And, you know, if we're living in a time where governments or, 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 or anybody else, celebrities, etc., that are standing against God's purposes in God's time, he will remove them. He will change them or he will remove them. Because victorious, the definition means having won a victory. And this is the problem. I think too many Christians are okay with mediocrity. You know, we complain and we whine and we share stuff on social media. But in real terms, if you want change, you can have it. But you have to press in there and be determined to take what is yours by faith. Amen. Too many times we're blaming God when, you know what, we haven't done our part. He changes the times and the seasons. Victorious means having won a victory. Come, conquered in battle or contest, having overcome an enemy or antagonist, conquering, vanquishing, triumphant, the defeat of an enemy in combat, battle or war, conquest, symbolic of conquest indicating victory. Victory applies to success in any kind uh, of, of fight, contest or struggle. Okay, so again, in every kind of contest, In every kind of struggle, in every kind of fight, you're going to have victory or you're going to have failure. And you see, sometimes believers don't make the connection between our part in terms of taking what is ours by faith. And then we blame God for every abject failure we experience when in many instances we have contributed if not caused what has gone wrong in our lives, okay? Because let me say this, we are called to victory and we we walk in a long line of believers who have faced tests, trials, and temptations. Men and women who encounter storms and assignments sent straight from hell and, and, and who, in spite of all that they faced, arose victorious over the strategies of the enemy. 2 Corinthians 2.11, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, we are not ignorant of his devices, the new living, so that Satan should not outsmart us, for we are familiar with these evil schemes. Let me say this, the devil isn't playing games even if you are. This is a day to, to not neglect what is important. 
We must be wise and not give an open door to the enemy. First Peter 5.8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Clearly, the enemy is playing to win, and bear in mind, he has had thousands of years to study mankind. He has vastly more experience than you. He has not only studied you and your family, he has studied multitudes of souls who have gone before you. So the last thing that you need is yet another subject, you know, yet another sermon about yet another subject. No, I believe you need to hear from heaven. Amen. How many of you are ready to hear from heaven? I believe you will hear from heaven in this message if you have ears to hear. I've prepared my heart. You know, I've been preparing all week for this message. And, you know, even if I'm speaking to an empty room, I believe I'm speaking to people that are watching and people who need to hear from heaven. So let's not play games. Let's, let's press in and take what God has for us today in Jesus' name. You see, some of you may be in a very tough situation, a very tough place where it seems like you're striving just to keep your head above the water, to simply just make it through another day because you are under demonic attack and you desperately need to hear from heaven. You need a touch from heaven. And yet, while the opposition is often natural in its manifestation, it is frequently spiritual in its source. So don't be fooled. You may respond by saying, oh, well, I, I thought that just happened. I thought that was just an unfortunate coincidence. No. John 10.10, Jesus identified the source of much of our challenges and trials in this life. He said, Satan comes to rob, to kill, and to destroy. That verse answers the most commonly asked question when you're on the street among people who don't know the Lord. And that question is, if God is real, then why do bad things happen to good people? I'll tell you why. There is a devil who is real. And Jesus said he is out there robbing and killing and destroying people. Amen. And in many instances, says it's true ignorance of God's word. Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed through lack of knowledge. And yet so many times people come to church and they, they, they sleep through a message and they miss what God had for them on that day. So come on, if you're going to watch the message today, watch the whole thing. Don't just tune in for five or ten minutes and go off and check your emails or do something else. Focus. Listen. Hear. Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. We all have ears, but not all of us are listening. Okay, so again, Christ acknowledged that we have an enemy, one who conspires night and day to destroy us and our families, and yet God promised us victory in spite of the enemy. He promised us life and life more abundantly, a victorious life where we could see our enemies flee. Deuteronomy 28 and verse 7, the Lord will cause thine enemies who rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way and flee before these seven ways. This is the promise of God, that the enemy will be forced to scatter before you. Why? Because you are victorious in Christ. It may be an attack against your children, or your finances, or against your mind, or against whatever. You know what? Those enemies that come against you, they're going to scatter. They are going to flee. Because the Bible I read says, let God arise, and let his enemies be scattered. How many of you know that your enemies are his enemies, in Jesus' name, because you are his child? 
child. Glory to Jesus. You do not face the trials of life alone. You are victorious in Christ. Isaiah 59 and 19. So they shall fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall raise up a standard against him. And that glorious standard under which we fight is Jesus. Hallelujah. He is a victorious savior. Amen. He has conquered death, hell, and the grave. Revelation 5 and 5. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See the line of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals, the new living. But one of the 24 elders said to me, stop weeping. Look, the line of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. He has won the victory. Glory to Jesus. He has won the victory. And therefore, it doesn't matter what enemy you are facing today, Jesus already defeated him. And you can walk in victory as well because Christ purchased your victory at the cross. You see, sometimes we can get discouraged or frustrated with our situation. But you know what? There's an old saying that quitters never win. Uh, Winners never quit and quitters never win. And Napoleon Hill said this, victory is always possible for the person who refuses to stop fighting. And and, and you know what? You may have been knocked down. You may have fallen. You may have messed up. But you know what? Get back up. Just keep getting back up. That is a secret to victory in life. Because you know what? Again, it's so important to know that you know what? Victory is always possible to the person who refuses to stop fighting. We were not created to be defeated, depressed, or discouraged. Rather, we were called to reign. Romans 5, 17, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign as kings in life by one man, Jesus Christ. So let's not lose our perspective. Our God still sits on the throne. And whether you realize or not, he's not wearing a mask and he's not social distancing. Our God sits in the throne. He is in control. Amen. He is in control. Amen. I think it's important to remind ourselves he is in control. Even when it seems like society around us is unraveling, he is in control. Hallelujah. He reigns. Revelation 11 and verse 15. Then the seventh angel sounded and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. Hallelujah. He shall reign forever and ever. First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 11 but you are man of God flee these things and pursue righteousness godliness faith love patience gentleness fight the good fight of faith lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many uh, witnesses I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Jesus Christ who witnessed the good confession before Jesus Christ that you keep this commandment without spot blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ's appearing which he shall manifest in his own time he who is the blessed and only potentate the king of kings and lord of lords who alone has immortality dwelling in light 
dwelling an unapproachable life whom no man has seen or seen to whom be honor and everlasting power. You see, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the King of Kings. He is the blessed and only potentate, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. You see, Jesus Christ is King. He is Lord. Again, Revelation chapter 1 gives us a glimpse of this resurrected King. And it says, verse 13, the midst of the seven lamps stands one like the son of man clothed with a garment down to his feet and girded about the chest with a golden band his hair and his head were white like wool as white as snow and his eyes like a flame of fire thank you Jesus Praise God. One day we're going to look in those eyes, those eyes that are as a flame of fire. And I don't know about you, it makes me want to get things right in my life. Amen. His feet were like fine brass, as if referring to the furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, but he laid his right hand to me, saying to me, do not be afraid, I'm the first and the last. I'm he who lives and was dead and behold I'm alive forevermore and I have the keys of hell and of death. This is the Jesus that we serve. He is a resurrected savior. He is all powerful. He is all knowing and we must give him the honor and we must serve him in a manner that, 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 that is appropriate. Amen. I believe, listen post COVID the church is not going to be the same. People are not going to be dragging in halfway through the worship. People are not going to be sitting there, you know, a million miles away. People are going to be focused. People are going to be ready to worship because there will be a cost to serve Christ in the days to come. I don't know about you. I've counted the cost. I've made that decision. Lord, I'm going to serve you. It doesn't matter where I go or what happens or what it costs me. I've got one vision and that's to serve Jesus with every, every breath I take. I want to live for him. I want to serve him. I want to serve Christ in Jesus' name. Amen. And here it says in verse 11 of Revelation 19 again. I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he who sat in him was called faithful and true. In righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns and he had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the Word of God. Pastor John, why do you quote so many Bible verses? Because Jesus is the Word of God and when you stay close to his Word, you stay close to Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. And it's says, and the armies of heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses, and out of his mouth goes a sharp uh, sword, the way he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. And it says, he himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Listen, we are living in a time of grace, but that time will come to an end. There will be a time when the grace of God comes to an end and the wrath of God will be poured out upon this planet. And I tell you something, you know, we would not want our worst enemy to go through that. That is why we got to do everything in our power to serve Christ and to reach our generation for him. But it says, and he is on his robe and on his tie, name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Hallelujah, you don't mess with this Jesus. Amen. He even has a tattoo. King of kings, Lord of lords. We are a victorious people because we serve a victorious savior. Demons could not terrify him and sin could not tempt him. Death could not hold him and the devil could not stop him. He is victorious. 
You see, let's be honest, none of us aspire to defeat our failure. All of us instinctively want to succeed in life, but clearly it's not guaranteed. You know, the many ruined lives that surround us are a stark reminder of this because history is replete with the sad stories of those who in spite of potential, ability, beauty, fortune, favor, and opportunity invariably failed. Okay, so again, just because you have opportunity does not mean you are going to succeed. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You see, victory is accessed, not earned. This is what many believers don't understand. They're trying to be good enough to get God to bless them, not knowing that everything God does in your life is on grace and on the basis of grace alone. Amen. Thanks be to God who gives us. It doesn't say that you merit it or you earn it. Are you are virtuous or worthy enough for it? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And when you understand that, then you know that there is nothing that can stop you. There is no devil in hell that can stop you from moving forward in Jesus' name. Because if God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. So thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Lord Jesus Christ. Victory is accessed, not earned. It doesn't come because we are so good. It comes because he is so good. And because we have learned to access what is ours in Christ. You know that word victory in the Greek is nikos. It means a conquest by implication, triumph, victory. And it, it comes from the word nike. N-I-K-E, this is where they get the word for the runners. And that word uh, Nike means conquest, the means of success or victory. You see, victory is ours through Jesus Christ. And today I want to share some secrets to living a victorious life in Christ Jesus. We are victorious, firstly, because we are born of God. And we are born of God because we are loved by God. First John 3 and 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is it did not know Him. It says what, what great love the Father lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. Jesus said in John 3 and verse, uh, 3 and verse 7, you must be born again because ultimately everything stems from this one essential truth because when you are born of God it changes everything and until you are it changes nothing because ritual or religion or tradition or good works are no substitute for being born again amen but when and and this is the thing you may be you may have religion coming out your ears but you will split hell wide open unless you are born again amen you, you must receive Christ as your savior you must accept that what he did on the cross was for you amen but when you're truly born of God you cannot help but walk in victory why you've already experienced the greatest miracle of all your heart has been changed your destiny altered and you are now God's property. Amen. That's why we declare we are bought and paid for with his blood. Just think about it. Your name is written in heaven for all of eternity. There is no greater blessing or highest accomplishment in this life or the next. You literally cannot lose. Amen. Why? Because heaven is your home. Jesus is your Lord. You have a place at the table because you are a blood-bought child of God. Your name may not appear on the VIP lists on this earth, but the one who created the universe knows your name.
How many of you know that is a beautiful thing to reflect on? That the creator, you know, Brad Pitt might know your name. You know, uh, Bill Gates might know your name. You know, uh, the president of the U.S. might know your name. But God, the creator of everything, knows you and loves you. Why? Because you are born of God. John 1 verse 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who are born, not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God, the new living. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. You see, only in eternity will we grasp what this truly means. When we walk on those streets of gold and behold the glories of heaven, when we taste of the river of life and we're finally reunited with our loved ones, when we hear the angels sing and witness the immense resources of heaven and the, you know, the endless glory of God's throne, when we finally see his blessed face, oh, how we will rejoice in that moment that we are the children of God. Hallelujah. You see, we serve him who declared in Revelation 21 and verse 5, and he that sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Right, for these words are true and faithful. Behold, I make all things new. When you understand that you are born of God, your past loses its hold over you. You recognize that the old person is dead and that you no longer have to go there. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man's in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You see, the devil wants to bring you back there. You know where there is. Nobody else might know about it, but I assure you, you and the devil do. Because he regularly wants to bring you back to that place where you failed or your past or whatever else. Those things that cause shame on the inside of you. But when you understand you're born of God, you don't have to go back there anymore. Because you say, you know what, devil? That man, that woman is dead. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. That's one of the most powerful confessions you can make out of your mouth. Romans 6, 4, in God's word translation says, when we were baptized into his death, we were placed into the tomb with him as Christ was brought back from death to life by the glorious power of the Father. So too, we should walk, we should live a new kind of life. Hallelujah. You see, we are called to live a new kind of life. When Christ went into the grave, we went there with him. But when he rose from death, glory to God, we rose with him too. And so too that we should live a new kind of life. People, it's time for change. You, you know, God wants us to live a new life. He wants us to exchange our fear for faith, uh, our mourning for joy. Amen. Psalm 30 and verse 11, it says, you turn my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. Hallelujah. You see, we should be joyful people. We should have a smile on our face, even during these testing times. Why? The joy of the Lord is our strength. Guilt, shame, oppression, past memories, trials and traumas all lose their grip when you become gripped by grace. 
And this is many believers that they haven't been gripped by grace. That's why they're just full of fear and full of negativity and they're always complaining and whining and feeling sorry for themselves. But when you become gripped by grace, sin loses its grip on you. Your past loses its grip on you. Why? Because you see things from heaven's perspective. Like Paul the apostle, you can say, yes, that is what I did, but that is not who I am. I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. I am born of God. My past is gone. My heart is free, for I am Christ's alone. His blood has cleansed my soul. My name is written in his book. How can sin or Satan or death rule over me? Let me read this quote by William Law. This new birth in Christ, thus firmly believed and continually desired, will do everything that thou wantest to have done in thee. It will dry up the springs of vice, stop all the workings of evil in thy nature. It will bring all that is good into thee. It will open all the gospel within thee. And thou will know what it is to be taught of God. Do you hear what he's saying? That when you're born of God, it dries up all of the springs of vice all of those issues and bondages and this is why I think you know there are people who have been church for years who really do not understand what it means to be born of God you know or they don't understand what happened to them because when you do it will change how you live it will change how you think it will change how you respond hallelujah and you will do what exactly what Romans 6 4 talks about you will live a new kind of life first John 5 4 for whatever is born of God overcomes the world And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. We are overcomers. So you know what? Let the storms rage. Let the billows roll. Let the enemy try his best because he cannot prevail. Hallelujah. He cannot prevail against you. He cannot prevail against your children. He cannot prevail against your mind when you understand I am born of God. I am God's property. I'm washed in his blood. Devil, you didn't dare not touch me. You did not touch my children. In the name of Jesus, take your hands off them, devil. Amen. We are overcomers. You see, for the devil to conquer you, he would first have to conquer God and he can't. Child of God, know this, you will prevail, you will overcome, you will break through because God's hand is on your life. You will not only survive, you will thrive in the name of Jesus. First John 3, 9, no one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. You see, you have a new heart with new desires and a new destiny. Praise God. You can't continue living in sin. You can't enjoy it even if you wanted to. Why? Your heart has been changed. And the things you would have enjoyed before, you won't enjoy them anymore. Because you are born of him and he is now your Lord. He dwells in your heart by faith. And therefore, his victory is your victory. He is in you. And you are in him. Colossians 1, 27 to them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Take the time to study and to look at the many in him, in whom, in Christ scriptures and confess them over your life. Because again, this is who you are from heaven's perspective. Firstly, we are born of God. Secondly, we are led by God. We are victorious because we are led by God. Or at least we are led if we are willing. 
Amen? And maybe this explains why some believers experience such pain, disappointment, and heartache in their lives. For if you refuse to listen and you refuse to learn, you will go through some unnecessary disasters. This is not God's best, but he has given you the freedom to either follow his plan or to go your own way. And Proverbs 13 and verse 5 says, the way of transgressors is hard. It says, good understanding, give it favor, but the way of transgressors is hard. How many of you know divorce, bankruptcy, addiction, venereal disease, you know, all of these issues, it's hard. I'm not saying it's necessarily, uh, you know, your, your fault. Sometimes the enemy has attacked your life, but I'm saying it's not easy. It's hard. There's an old saying, we can do this the easy way or the hard way. And sadly, many people choose the hard way through ignoring God's leading. You know, some people, if they'd followed the leading of God, wouldn't have got married to the person they married. Uh, Once you're married, that's it. You make it work. But I'm just simply saying, you know what? Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 14. As many are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Because God's Holy Spirit will only lead those who are willing to be led. And this is why it's important that we are humble enough to seek God in prayer and Bible study. You know, if you don't read the Bible regularly, it's because you're proud. That's it. If you don't read the Bible regularly, it's because you're proud. Now, what, what may be regular for me uh, may not necessarily be, be for you because I'm, I'm called to, 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 to feed on the Word. But all of us ultimately are called to feed on God's Word um, on a daily basis. But, but again, if you don't study the Bible, it's because you're proud because you arrogantly assume that you can do this in your strength. You think you got this and you don't. You see, victory will constantly... Uh, victory will consistently elude you if you insist on going your own way and you're ignorant of God's word and you never spend time in his presence. That's why you need to pray. And again, arrogant people don't pray. Humble people pray because humble people understand, I can't do this. I need your help, God. Jude 1.20, but you, beloved, build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in tongues is so important. You need to pray in tongues every day because it's a doorway to the supernatural and it teaches you, it makes you sensitive to God's voice and to God's Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 4 14 and verse 2 talks about uh, praying in tongues and it says um, uh, for he who speaks in the tongue does not speak to men but to God and no one understands him however in the spirit he speaks mysteries so again we're speaking mysteries to God that's why James 4 and verse 8 says draw near to God and he will draw near to you you see we have a part to play sometimes people are waiting on God to do something God is waiting on us amen but, but let me say this it is only as we draw near that the enemy draws back That's why, you know, when you see believers that are constantly struggling with demonic issues in their life, I know that person doesn't have a strong prayer life because when you come into the presence of God, when you, when you press in, hallelujah, when you, when you, it's only as we draw near, the enemy draws back. When we press in, the enemy bails. Amen. Because devils cannot follow you into God's presence. That's why it's called the secret place of the Most High. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place. Do you dwell there? Is prayer a natural thing to you? Like Patrick, praying a hundred times in the morning, a hundred times at night. You know, prayer became a lifestyle to Patrick. And God did something mighty in his life. He used them to shake this nation. Amen. Devils can't follow you into God's presence. And and let me say, just as an aside, it's, it's just as important to get adequate rest. Because if you want to flow with God's Holy Spirit, you need to be rested. It's good to work hard for the king and the 
kingdom. But you know what? As you see with Elijah, there is such a thing as pushing yourself too far physically. And God had to bring him to a place of rest. You know, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. So again, he restores my soul. He leads me beside the still waters. God will bring you to a place of rest if you allow him. Amen? Some, some people are just constantly agitated. They're constantly going. No, you need times of quietness in your life. Amen? For me, when I had five kids, my times of quietness were, you know, five, six o'clock in the morning, four o'clock even. At times, I would just get up and I would just appreciate the quietness and just seek God's face. You need that in your life, irrespective of what season you're in. First Kings 19, we see in First Kings, 18, God used Elijah to rebuild the altar, to call a whole nation back to God. The fire of God fell. You know, he slew all the prophets of Baal. It was a huge breakthrough for the nation of Israel because in one fell swoop, God brought the people back to him and also judged those who were who are promoting, you know, false religion and perversion and sin in the land. It was a mighty victory. But in, in chapter 19 and verse 2, then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the God God's do to me and more so if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow at this time. So when he saw this, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant uh, there. So again, it's so important who you listen to, who you open your life to. You know, uh, Je- uh, Elijah was tired. He listened to Jezebel and fear got a hold of him. And when he, uh, he ran for his life, uh, this is the same guy who the day before stood against an entire nation that was in sin, stood against, you know, hundreds of prophets of Baal, etc., against Jezebel and Ahab, the king, and, and he stood against them all. And Yet the very next day, you know, Jezebel confronts him and he runs. And so, verse 4, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree and he prayed that he might die and said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life from no better than my father's. And so this is the, the danger when you start getting tired and you start feeling sorry for yourself. You know, Elijah didn't want to die because if he did, he should have stayed where he was and Jezebel would have um, uh, sorted him very quickly. But he was feeling sorry for himself because he he was tired and he lay and slept under a broom tree. Suddenly an angel touched him and said, Arise and eat. Then he looked and thereby his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. So he rose and ate and drank. And he went in and he went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. So he goes to a cave and he has this divine encounter with God. But you know, before he did that, he had to rest. He had to eat. And I believe, you know, God's supernatural peace came on him. and He was able to sleep and he was able to eat. And then God brings him to Horeb. And then the Lord said, verse 11, Get, uh, go out, he was in the cave, stand in the mountain before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by in a great and strong wind, tore into the mountains, and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. That is a strong wind that is breaking rocks. And it says, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, still small voice. And this is why many Christians miss God, because you're looking for, uh, you know, some extravagant, some, some wild, uh, a big sign 
mind, and, and sometimes God can be just whispering to you, or God may be just speaking to you to your wife or your husband, and, and, and we know as men how hard that is to hear. Um, but I'm just simply saying, as many times we're missing, uh, you know, God, because we're looking, like I said, the fire, the wind, the earthquake, and we're not listening to the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. It's ironic that many times after a great victory, we can experience great defeat. And at times it's not helped by the fact that we don't take sufficient rest, uh, time to rest and recuperate. You know, Elijah had a mighty victory over the prophets of Baal, but Elijah was tired and he was fatigued. He was spiritually, emotionally, and physically drained. He was spent. Amen. And when the counterattack came through Jezebel, and the counterattack always comes, he wasn't ready. And this is why, you know, don't make big decisions when you are tired. Take time to wait on God. Amen. If, if a decision is worth taking, it's worth waiting on God. Um, Isaiah 40 says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not grow faint. And so if you're weary, if you're beaten down, if you're frustrated, if you're in despair today, I know one thing. You have not been waiting on God. That's a very harsh thing to say, Pastor John. No, that's because you want to feel sorry for yourself. Do you want to be helped today? That will help you. Quit feeling sorry for yourself. Quit sharing posts on Facebook about how things are going wrong in your life. Just get over yourself. It's like I saw somebody shared, you know, a map uh, saying I ran 5Ks uh, uh, yesterday. And, and under it, he wrote, no one cares. <laughs> it's just funny. But, you know, this is the truth. No one cares Suck it up, and, and you know what? Make it happen in Jesus' name. Quit feeling sorry for yourself, amen? Because many times it's just uh, we're seeking attention when we're broadcasting our problems on Facebook. I mean, what do we think that's going to help, amen? So again, it tells us that those who learn to wait upon God are the ones that make it. You know what makes a good waiter? You know, is it a fancy accent? Somebody that talks like that? You know, or, or a chatty, confident personality? No. A good waiter simply watches you. Okay? They see if you need anything. You only have to look their way and they immediately come over to help you. A bad waiter is distracted. You know, you look their way, you're waving, you're trying to get their eye, and they're utterly oblivious to you. You just can't get their attention. Let me say this. The truth is this. Many believers are bad waiters. You want to know why God isn't moving in your life? You're not waiting on God. You don't know how to wait. How many of you know, when you have a waiter like that, you're not going to give them a good tip. And I long to get back into sitting into a restaurant. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. May the restaurants be open along with the rest of our society. But I'll tell you something. Many Christians are bad waiters. Habakkuk 2 and verse 1. I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I'm corrected. You see, like Habakkuk, we must be willing to watch and wait. We must learn to become sensitive to his whispers because while the enemy may shout, the Holy Spirit will gently whisper. Do you listen for the whispers of God or is his voice drowned out by Netflix or social media? Some people say, I just can't hear God's voice. But you know what? You never give God time. You never wait on him. You never take time to study his word or to just be silent in his presence. 
Amen? God will speak if you make time for him. Are you sensitive to the leading of God's spirit? Because God will speak if we only take the time to listen. John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. You see, to be led by God, we must make time with him a priority because first you make your priorities and then your priorities make you or break you. Mark 1.35, Jesus rose a long time before daylight, went to solitary place, and there he prayed. Amen? You see, Jesus made prayer a priority. Again, Luke chapter 6, and it says, um, thank you, Jesus, verse 12, it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself, and from them he chose 12. So Jesus took time to wait and pray before he made such important decisions, because again, these men were going to be the foundation of the early church. Jesus rose early because he had established priorities. He was busy. He had many pressing issues and needs, people who desired to be with him, who needed his wisdom, who needed a miracle, but he chose to prioritize God's presence. He wasn't need-driven. Rather, he was priority-driven. He, a, a, a he made prayer and God's presence a priority. And Jesus is our example. And you know what? If prayer was a priority with Christ, it should be with us too. For you will never be led by the spirit, you will never walk in victory unless you first learn to establish priorities in your life. Let me say this, prayer and fasting is key in this season. You know, if you're, let me say this just to the guys, if you're struggling with porn, start fasting. The power of that thing is going to be broken over you in the name of Jesus Christ. If you're struggling with alcohol or drugs or some other area of dysfunction, start to fast. You know, maybe just even a meal a week or a fast just one day a week. It's not going to kill you. You're not going to die. You know, just drink some water. It's, it, it's good for you. But I tell you something. If you lack self-control in your life, and the number one area where we lack self-control is in our diet. If you lack self-control in that area, you're going to lack self-control in every area. Okay, this is why prayer and fasting is key. It, 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 we put aside the food and we, it take, we're giving time to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, to wait on God. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night that you may observe to do according to all is written therein. For then you make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. You see, God called Joshua to conquer and therefore he told him to prioritize time in his word because the Spirit of God will always lead you in line with the word of God. This is why church isn't an optional extra. And this is why we are pushing and believing for the churches in Ireland to be reopened so that we can gather as the saints have done for the last 2,000 years. And I would encourage you, once the church is open, you know what? Make Make time to be here in Jesus' name. Amen? And make time, like I said, if you haven't gone through Bible school, it's not going to cost you anything. Just some time, it will change your life. Amen? You know, our kids are funny. Whenever we do a Bible study at home, and we give them questions to see if they're learning, and they answer, they always answer, they say, pray, read the Bible, go to church. They give it as an answer to literally any question, and it's actually hard to, um, you know, because it's true. You know, the answer to most of your problems is Pray, read your Bible, go to church. Amen. So anyway, we are born. If you want to walk in the victorious life, first you must understand you are born of God. 
Secondly, you are led by God. Thirdly, amen, we are kept by God. First Peter 1 Peter 1.5, uh, who are kept by the power of God, true faith, unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. You see, just as we see in the life of Patrick, who in spite of great danger uh, and peril was protected when he came to Ireland to reach Ireland for the gospel, we must understand where God leads us, he keeps us. Psalm 140, 6 and 7, I said to the Lord, you are my God. Hear the voice of my supplications. O Lord, our God, uh, the Lord, the strength of my salvation. You have covered my head in the day of battle. Oh, I thank God that the Lord has covered my head in so many instances when I didn't realize that there was an attack coming, when there was an assignment of the enemy. God covered my head in the day of battle, and he will cover your head in the day of battle too, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So again, you have haven't made it this far because you are so smart or virtuous. You know, some of your friends didn't make it, but you did. You made it because God kept you. Psalm 27 and 13, I would have lost heart unless I'd believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he'll strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against you will prosper. Any tongue that rises against you in judgment will be condemned. This includes more than simply physical threat. He will keep you. He will keep you from depression, from despair, from hopelessness, addiction, fear, anxiety. He will keep you from temptation. Look to God in this season. I appreciate it's frustrating, but he will keep you by his spirit, particularly in this time of what seems like a never-ending lockdown. But you know what? He will keep you. Psalm 26 and verse 3, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. You see, we are born of God. We are led by God we are kept by God and lastly as I finish we are authorized by God Luke 10 and 19 behold I give you authority or I give you power to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm you this is the promise we have that whatever comes against us we're gonna step on in the name of Jesus amen hallelujah I give you authority we have authority over the powers of darkness God has not left us as help children. He is a good father and he has authorized and empowered us to deal with the attacks and the traps of the enemy. You can walk in victory because you have authority. The victorious life is not possible outside of an understanding of your rights and privileges in Christ. We must claim the rights of our redemption, health and wholeness, prosperity and peace. You must claim those rights as a child of God and if that offends you, then you have a religious spirit. Because nowhere in the Bible do I read that we are to take a vow of poverty. That God somehow takes pleasure in you living a life of grinding poverty. No, I'm not one of those who go off into excesses and think that, you know, you, your virtue is demonstrated by how rich you are. No, but we serve a good father. And just as I want my children well-dressed and well-fed, so too you have a father in heaven. And the Bible says the cattle on a thousand hills belong to him. He cares about you, every aspect of you. Could somebody say, thank you, Jesus? Psalm 107 verse 2, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story in the NIV. Those who you redeemed from the hand of the foe, the new living. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell uh, others he has redeemed you from your enemies. Thank you, brother. 
And uh, again, the ESV, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble. The King James, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. You see, great power and authority is released when we declare who we are and what we have in Christ. Freedom is found in understanding and exerting our authority. Okay? Uh, Exodus chapter 11, you know, Moses came to the, to the Red Sea. It looked like an impossible situation. Verse 11, then they said to Moses, because there was no graves in Egypt, have you... Um, Taken us away to die in the wilderness. Why have you so dealt with us to bring us out of the land of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? No, the Spirit of God will not let you alone. He will not let you alone with that addiction. He will not let you alone with that dysfunction. He will not let you alone with that sense of inadequacy and failure that you carry. He will not let you alone with that chip you carry on your shoulder. Some of you carry a monumental chip on your shoulder and you're blaming everybody else except yourself for your struggles. You know what? Get over yourself. Deal with your problems and move forward because you are called to live victorious in the name of Jesus. And therefore it says, um, Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will not see anymore forever. And the Lord will fight for you and he will hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. You see, there is a time to cry to God and there is a time to get up and move forward in the power of the name of Jesus. Amen. Because Jesus said, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it because sometimes we are waiting on God when God is actually waiting on us we can be asking God to deal with an issue that he has already authorized us and empowered us to deal with this is why he said to the disciples in Luke chapter 8 where is your faith in the middle of the storm where is your faith okay so the world may be getting darker but what are you doing to shine the light Amen? I believe the Lord desires us and expect, you know, he desired and expected the disciples to deal with the storm themselves. He had given them authority, cast out devils, raise the dead. I believe he wanted them to deal with the storm. And, you know, let me say this. If you don't like the way the world is, change it in Jesus' name because you've been given authority. 1 Corinthians 29, 11, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. He is a great God, awesome in power and unsurpassed in glory. This is why Matthew chapter 28, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We've been authorized to take this message of life and liberty to the world. That's why James 4, 7 says, therefore, submit to God, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. This is, you know, a pattern God has given. Submit to God. You know, resist the devil and he will flee. So God wouldn't ask you to do something he hadn't already authorized and empowered you to do. Amen? So we can resist the enemy. That means you can resist those, uh, those drugs or that porn or that uh, habit of you know, bitterness or unforgiveness or gossip or slander or lying or whatever else you struggle with. You can resist it. Amen? God has authorized you. We can resist the enemy because we have authority over him. So tell the devil to take his hands off your life and off your family and off your destiny in the name of Jesus. Why? He has no right. Right. Therefore, give him no place. 
1 Timothy 6 and 12, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art called and hast professed the good profession before many witnesses. We have a glorious destiny. We are called to walk in victory. But you have a part to play. You must fight the good fight of faith and claim God's promises. You must rise up by faith and take authority over the enemy. Because let me say this, I'm tired of the negativity and fear and doubt that seems to pervade much of the body of Christ. It's not biblical. We're not meant to be kind of hiding away, wishing that Jesus is going to turn up and rescue us with the rapture. That's not what the rapture is for. He's coming back for a glorious church, not a defeated, fearful church. Amen. He's a glorious church. We're not here cowering in terror, waiting for Jesus to rescue us. Yes, we may be in the end times, but there is no place for fear or anxiety. Our God reigns. He is Lord. He is seated on the throne. And let me say this. There is work to do. We must be about our Father's business. So let us live the victorious life He has called us to live. Because Numbers chapter 23 and verse 21 declares, There is a shout of a king among them. As the worship group come forward, there is a shout of a king among us. Glory to God. We're not to be whining or feeling sorry for ourselves. We have a shout of a king. And we have a shout of a victorious king. And not just any king. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is victorious. Glory to God. And he is among us. My last Bible verse. Romans 8.37 in the New Living. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. I want to finish with a quote by Winston Churchill. May 13th, 1939, as all of Europe was falling to the Nazis, the lights of freedom were being extinguished all through uh, Europe. And he stood up and gave, this is an excerpt from his speech. You ask, what is our policy? I will say, it is to wage war with all our might with all our strength that God can give us to wage war against the monstrous tyranny never surpassed in the dark lamentable catalog of human crime you ask what is our aim I will answer it in one word victory victory at all costs victory in spite of terror victory however long and hard the road may be for without victory there is no survival and I say the same to you today child of God without victory there is no survival in Jesus name you're called to victory fact is your middle name is victorious you need to think of yourself that way thanks be to God it gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ and again I don't know what you're facing today I don't know what's going on in your life I don't know, again, but I know that the Lord sees you and he loves you and he has called you and his hand is upon your life. And he said, behold, I make all things new. God can make all things new in your life in just one moment. So if you will take this opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says, whoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hallelujah. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can call on that name, the wonderful name of Jesus. You can call on that name. I don't know what you've done or where you've been, but I know this, he loves you. And he says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. You might say, Pastor John, you don't know what I've done. I don't, but he does. 
and still he died for you. He loves you and he has a plan and a purpose for your life. And this, this message, I believe, is, is key to you stepping out of where you are to where you need to be. But for some of you, if you've never accepted Jesus, you need to take the first step. Because you will never be victorious without Jesus Christ. Because the greatest victory we experience is when we are born again. When we receive of Christ's victory at the cross through his death, burial, and glorious resurrection. Hallelujah. So just pray this simple prayer at me right now. Say, Lord Jesus Christ, I believe in my heart that you were born of a virgin. I believe that you died on the cross bearing my sin and shame. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus Christ, and forgive me of my sins. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. You know, there are Zoom rooms uh, down below. There are links if you need prayer, if you need somebody to pray with you personally. But let me just agree with you right now. I believe if you will listen to this message a few times this week, you will change. You will change the way you see the world. You will change the way you think. You will change the way you talk because we are victorious. We're not trying to be victorious. We are victorious. Why? Because we're born of God. We are led by God. We are kept by God. Hallelujah. And lastly, hallelujah. We, <laughs> thank you, Jesus. What was the lastly? Uh, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise your holy name, Lord. <laughs> Praise you, Jesus. Oh, Father, I worship you, Lord. I bless you. Lord, I pray for every person watching today in the name of Jesus, that you would minister your grace, that you would minister your love, Lord, that you would let them know, Lord God, that you have a plan and a purpose and that you are working in them, Lord, that you are working in them in those tough places, in those dark places, Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You know that, that, that Lord, we, we, are, we are born of you, Lord. God, we are led by you. We are kept by you. And we are authorized by you. You have given us authority. And so right now, I'm going to take authority in the name of Jesus of every power of darkness that has people bound, Lord God. Those who are watching today, maybe they're sick in their body. I just command all cancer to leave your body in the name of Jesus. I just can't command uh, diabetes and MS in the name of Jesus. Loose its hold in you in the name of Jesus. I command the power of depression. I see somebody right now. It's like you've got a, a metal band around your head and the enemy just keeps squeezing it. Right now, I command that band broken. I declare freedom and liberty in the name of Jesus. Be free. Receive freedom right now from every yoke. Every, the Bible says the yoke should be destroyed because of the anointing. Let that yoke be broken in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Receive freedom right now in Jesus' name. We bless you. We thank you. And we love you. Thank you for watching today. We're going to finish with a song. Let's give God the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.